I, I consider it kind of being like a short order cook. Um, I, I like being able to do a lot of different things. And, and uh, you know, as a kid, as we said, as I said, uh, I broke a lot of things. I continue to break a lot of things, too. I'm an incorrigible do-it-yourselfer around the house. If, if I can do it, I'm going to do it. Hi everyone, I'm Becky. And I'm Rohan, and welcome to After Office Hours, where we get to know engineering professors and leaders outside of the classroom. And hear about their passions, interests, and the stories about how they got to where they are today. Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of After Office Hours. Today we had the pleasure of speaking to Mr. Matt Brown. But before we get into this episode, we want to hear from you. We are eager to hear any feedback that you guys have, any questions that you guys want to hear more of, any things you want to hear less of. If you have any suggestions for new guests, we are always open to hearing from you. So if you want to reach out to us, we have our Instagram at after double underscore office hours. Uh, send us a message, comment on our posts, and we would love to speak. Yeah, After Office Hours is definitely not just a podcast featuring engineering professors. We welcome everyone um, not just associate they don't have to be associated with the Duke community just anyone who you think would be really cool to talk to please let us know and please also let us know if you would like to ask them our guests specific questions we welcome that as well we want to hear from you back to the current podcast we have Mr. Matt Brown yeah Matt Brown as many of our listeners may know is the senior lab administrator for all Duke BME labs so if you're a BME student in Pratt you have definitely spoken or met with him at some point. Um, he's an awesome person. Yes, I couldn't agree more. I am always impressed by his calmness and patience dealing with all of us crazy students in labs. Always very impressive to see how he's able to explain things in simple terms and find all of our little bugs in our circuits and things like that. So it's always great to work with him in lab and it was great to speak to him today. Yeah, and another thing about Matt is he just seems to know how to tackle any and all problems that arise in labs and it's just really impressive sometimes to see um, as Becky said how patient and how understanding he is I think he really truly understands that engineering is a very can be a difficult uh, field at times and he's he understands how to sort of get past mistakes and obstacles so uh, without further ado Matt, uh, thank you so much for coming on to our podcast as a guest. We're really excited to talk with you. Um, I think we already know the answer to this, but you know, since you're so involved with uh, teaching so many engineering students at Duke and you just you seem to know so much about engineering, uh, we have to ask: Were you were you a tinker as a kid? Did you were you one of those kids who tinkered with all those gadgets? And you know, when did your interest in engineering start? Oh my <laughs> Yes, I was I was an unsuccessful tinkerer a lot as a kid. Um, my sister will tell you the story of the time that I put chocolate milk in the TV, and uh, and and broke it. Um, and then there's an, another time uh, there were no witnesses. This other time um, I had a, a little transistor radio, and uh, I ran out of batteries for it. And uh, coincidentally, um, the little battery clip just fell apart. And uh, I, so I sat there, sadly, with the, with the battery clip in my hand, and, um, and I glanced over at the wall, and I see a wall outlet. And I think, oh, I have a great idea. 
and um, I, 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 I stuck the uh, I stuck the wires in the wall outlet, and that was the end of that transistor radio. Well, I'm glad you're still here to tell the story. Um, <laughs> <laughs> with other uh, other guests we've had, we asked that question, and it's always like a fifty fifty, but. Um, I was like 100% sure that was that was going to be your answer. <laughs> really? Duke professors weren't tinkerers as kids, huh? Not always. Hmm. Interesting. No, I was I was constantly breaking things. <laughs> That's the 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 more colloquial uh, version of tinkering, right? Just like mm-hmm. breaking things. Um mm-hmm. So, one of the things that I think is like very unique and like a, kind of a trademark of engineering is the ability to learn new things quickly and to pick things up what would you say is your strategy for for picking up new new skills um i i have a really hard time picking up a new skill if i'm not enthused about it um so i i've really got to build up some energy to uh, to learn something uh, i think maybe that was why i i didn't i didn't continue on in in grad school i started grad school and i I, the enthusiasm wasn't there and so i just i was really unmotivated to do the coursework and uh, and got out yeah and that sounds really interesting in terms of um sort of your journey out of undergrad could you tell us a little bit more about what was going through your head and what you decided to do you know once you realized that you maybe didn't want to continue graduate school um well about that same time um in in blacksburg uh i met my uh future wife and uh so she was also uh disheartened with with grad school and so we started looking for jobs and we decided that uh, whoever found the first job would would lead us somewhere and um and that's what happened she got a job down here in in rtp and i started looking for for jobs myself that's awesome where was what was your first job in durham <clears throat> at duke Ah, there we go. Um, when I was at graduates uh, in graduate school, um, I met uh, a fellow graduate student who was at the end of his PhD, and he was taking a faculty position here at Duke. And um, I had been doing some some lab tech stuff in in his lab, and uh, and that so that connection was made up in Blacksburg, uh, and I I basically followed him down here to to Duke. Oh, that's neat. What what about graduate school? You mentioned like you fa- felt kind of disheartened with that. What what aspect of that did you feel the disconnect? Um, I so I I really enjoy getting my hands dirty, um, and I was spending a lot of time in in the classroom, and uh, um, and that that was just wasn't where I wa- wanted to be. You know, even though classroom is a necessary component of that. I I didn't didn't want to be there. I just it, it wasn't worth it to me. Um, and uh, and also I had done a, 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 a kind of a bad job. This is all on me. I'd done a bad job researching uh, laboratories. And the laboratory that I um, had was was going to join at at Virginia Tech was uh, was not going to be a good fit. Um, they they spoke Mandarin in the lab and. Um, and uh, so that was that was that was not going to be a, a good place for me trying to learn the material and Mandarin at the same time. Yeah, I think that's just like a really good um, perspective to have because, <clears throat> as you know, a lot of Duke engineers, you know, they they have a lot of options, and I guess they a lot of people, especially senior. As I'm starting to realize, people still are having second thoughts about the things that they're doing, and I think it's important to sort of hear from someone like you that even. Uh, once you get into graduate school, it's never too late to sort of like 
um, realize what you're interested in and like make a decision based on that. So like, I appreciate hearing that perspective. Definitely. I, I, I think maybe in a different field, I might've continued. It was, it was really the math that was really getting to me. Uh, I, you know, I, I'm, all of my family are not technical people. And so I, I, I go visit my family in Michigan and they say, you're so good at math. And I said, well, maybe compared to you, I am, but, <laughs> but for an engineer, I'm actually not all that good. Um, <laughs> I think that's how every engineer feels when they step into a math classroom full of like math and physics majors. <laughs> and, you know, once you got to Duke, I guess, uh, since you mentioned you know, this is your first job, um, what, what were your first impressions of Duke and the engineering program? And, you know, did, did you enjoy what you're doing straight off the bat or was it sort of took getting used to? Well, first, in terms of um, socialization, uh, it was kind of interesting coming to Duke because at, at that time, 30 years ago, um, Duke was, you know, really much more a liberal arts school and the engineering school was kind of a, an, a, a it was deliberately made to be small so it wouldn't take over Duke and, and make it too nerdy, I guess. Um, <laughs> they were trying to keep people like you out. Well, yeah, no, just, <laughs> just keep, keep us from being the focus. And, uh, and, and so, you know, I, I had passed through Virginia Tech, which of course is a huge engineering school, and uh, and where I got my bachelor's degree is Michigan Tech, and uh, Michigan Tech is is a very small university, but a mammoth school of engineering. Um, you know, all of their buildings are dedicated to one field. You know, they have the the very big mechanical engineering building and the very big electrical engineering building, and and so on and so forth. So it was it was an interesting change in perspective to to come from these fairly techy nerdy uh, schools to a much more liberal school um, in terms of of jumping into to work life here that that wasn't a big transition you know i i had had jobs in in industry before before getting my first real job here at duke could you describe a little bit more about what your role was then and I guess how it's shifted to what it is now? It was not very different than than uh than my my job now. I wow, okay. I was in a different department, so I worked in mechanical engineering at that time. And uh I was doing a job uh, doing a lab for mechanical engineering that's very like the BME 354 uh, medical instrumentation medical measurements lab that I do now for BME. And uh so at at the time also Back then, it was, you know, this was early 90s. There wasn't an internet at that point to in, in the same sense that we're familiar now. And so very few people were actually connected to the internet. Some of our faculty didn't even have email at the time. And... And so there was really no <laughs> IT department within the School of Engineering to speak of. And so that was kind of the other hat that I wore was also IT. And one of the first things I did was actually bring the last few people into email. Wow. That's really interesting because, you know, I think now we think of BME as one of the, I guess, strengths of Duke. And I guess when you came, it seems like BME and engineering in general didn't sort of have the same focus or vibe on campus. And, you know, how has that journey been in terms of, um, how has your role or your job or your perspective changed 
as it seems like engineering has become a larger focus on campus, especially with, you know, buildings like the Chesterfield building and other other sort of initiatives that Duke is clearly putting into the engineering space. I, I don't have a really great high level view of engineering at Duke. I kind of stay under my rock and do my thing. However, uh, I can say that as engineering has grown, uh, we we have more money to, to spend on much nicer facilities. Um, we when when we need new equipment, we can we can go get new equipment, which is which is great. That that's something we didn't necessarily have in in the old days. I want to ask uh, just because Rowan and I have both spent several, we've been in multiple classes where you've been very helpful as our lab uh, teacher. <laughs> um, and you have, for anyone listening, um, you have a very impressive way of explaining things that make it very easy to understand and application-based. Um, was teaching something you ever focused on, or was it a skill you had to actively learn, or what, did it come natural to you? I, I certainly try and get better at it. It's, it's, it's a hard thing to, to do because I, I really don't have a lot of feedback. I just go on... Um, if if I see students starting to understand, then okay, that's the way I'm going to explain this next time. Um, having having said that, um, I, I told you a moment ago I I don't come from a family of techies. I come from a family of teachers, and uh, and and all of my teacher family think it's just deliciously ironic that the engineer has looped back around and is you know it, at least in a generic sense a teacher again. That's great. I think definitely um, at a place like Duke, it's clear that sort of Teaching is a skill, you know, I, I definitely recall like certain classes or certain experiences where um, teachers have been able to sort of put things in words that really make sense to me. And I think that engineers especially really appreciate that in the lab, those three hour, like 354 labs, and <laughs> things like that. Um, and yeah, going along those lines, you seem to be able to answer a great diver- diverse array of questions. And you seem to just know a lot about everything really from my, from my perspective, at least. And Sort of, I, I think we touched on this earlier, but how do you go about, you know, how do you know so much about different things in engineering? And do you, is that something you actively work on like every day to like learn something new or? What um, Rowan's just... trying to ask is how do you know everything? <laughs> I, I don't know everything. Um, if you ask me to integrate Sinex DX, I'd, I'd, I'd have to struggle with that for quite a bit before I could answer that. Um, I, I, I just, I, I enjoy being, I, I consider it kind of being like a short order cook. Um, I, I like being able to do a lot of different things. And, and, uh, you know, as a kid, as we said, as I said, um, I broke a lot of things. I continue to break a lot of things too. I'm an incorrigible do it yourself or around the house. If, if I can do it, I'm going to do it. Um, I'm just, it just so bothers me to pay someone to do something that I could, I could do myself. <laughs> Another question um, related to kind of the work that, like where we've interacted in our design courses, um, what is your favorite part about helping a student through the design process? Well, I, I, I love it when the student gets it. Uh, I, I love the aha moment. Um, uh, and, um, you know, I, I, I also I also like failure uh, because failure is when you learn something, and so I've I've been 
I've I've been on the observing end of so many student failures over the years that that's that's really gone a long way to to teach me a lot of things. Um, having said that, I I try not to tell students not to do something. You know, sometimes if I if I feel really strongly, if I really know that a path they're taking is is prone to failure, I I might I might let them know that, but too many times I've had a student go off on what I thought was um, a, a harebrained scheme and and have it work. Um, so you guys you guys call me a a, a teacher. I'm I'm learning every day. I'm in the lab watching students. I I, I learn as much as I teach easily. Yeah, and you know I'm sure that's great to hear. And I'm sure that along the way, you know, you sort of touched on this too. You know, when you encounter a frustrating moment, you know, you always seem to stay like super calm. How do you, what's, what's going through your mind during those moments? I mean, surely there must be some frustration at times. Um, yeah, once, <laughs> once in a while there's some frustration and, and I'll admit to a little bit of schadenfreude once in a while and, and watching a student who's, <laughs> who's, you know, been a little bit stubborn. Um, but I just, I, 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 I try to compartmentalize uh, as much I, as I can. Uh, this is, this is the student's problem. This isn't my problem. I've, I've, I've done what I could and, and it's not in my hands anymore. Right. Along those lines, what is the craziest thing you've seen a student do in lab? Oh my goodness. Yeah, no, we're, we're not going to, we're not going to go there. <laughs> I won't give you the craziest thing I've seen in lab cause it's just not repeatable. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Maybe one of the craziest things, or something that you well, could share. <laughs> one thing that happened really early on to me. Uh, this isn't particularly crazy, but but it, it it it's a it's a story that stuck with me. So, um, some students were trying to build uh, an aspirator for uh, the, the developing world, and they were trying to do it with materials you can source in the developing world. So, you know, like a a mayonnaise bottle for a mayonnaise jar rather for a, for a collection bottle. And, uh, and I can't remember where their source of vacuum was. It may have been you know, like the vacuum off the engine of a car or something like that. But uh, they were trying to form a seal with the, the tubing into the, the top of this jar. And what they did is they just took um, like a screwdriver and a, and a hammer and they pounded a, a hole into the top of the jar into the top of the metal jar and they stuck the the tubing in it and then they said okay now what we have to seal this and um they asked me how can you seal it and i was saying well you know all the glues we have around here aren't really going to form a seal and i i don't think you can do it uh, this is this isn't going to work you need to go get a proper fitting and 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 i walked off and a little while later, they came to me and they, they had solved the solution. What they had done is they had stuck a rubber glove over the top of this and, and ran the, the tubing through one of the fingers of the rubber glove. And when they started drawing a vacuum, the rubber glove sealed up on this whole thing and it formed a seal good enough to do what they needed to do. And it was at that moment that I, that I learned, okay, don't, don't tell a student, no, you can't do that. Let, let them figure out something. That's awesome. I love that story because... I think we're starting to realize, as students, we're starting to realize the same thing. I mean, I think at least um, Becky and I are both in Dr. Paul Mary's design, and I think we've started to realize a little bit that um, engineering is inherently open-ended, and I think it's, 
you know, especially with BME, we've been um, taking a lot of classes that have a lot of sort of equations to solve and um, homeworks like on paper, but it's it's really interesting to see, to get a glimpse of um, how the engineering, you know, kind of what you just described, that whole process of um, just having crazy ideas and just trying them out. It's sort of going from the theoretical to the practical. I think that's been a really, really unique experience. Yeah, engineering is is taking all of the math that you've done and basically doing it in reverse. <laughs> and that's 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 a hard thing to do, that, that aspect of design. Mm-hmm. Okay, along those same lines, what's your biggest student pet peeve? The thing that people do that, even though you don't get frustrated, which I've seen with my own eyes, but what would, what's the thing that, that drives you crazy that we do? Well, this is super trivial, but uh, uh, time and time again, I observe students, they, they turn off the equipment that's powered by the wall outlet, and they leave on the battery-powered equipment. I mean, <laughs> I know it's, it's, it's absolutely trivial. Um, it's, it shouldn't be a problem, but... but Golly, why, why, why do we do that? <laughs> wow, yeah. For for everyone listening, you know, hopefully, incoming engineering students are also listening to this. So maybe maybe we'll see a shift in coming years. Maybe maybe we'll see a uh, significant change in the number of battery powered devices that yeah. we've done. I would be honored if we could extend the battery life of Duke University's devices. <laughs> we can be part of that. Yeah, and. You know, I think also something that I suppose we and a lot of other of our peers are curious about is you're involved in sort of several classes and sort of managing and helping out um, and doing a lot of things. What is your, I mean, day to day look like? Uh, do you sort of how, how spontaneous is it and how sort of planned is it, I guess? I, I have many days when I'm I'm walking out the door at five, and I didn't even do one of the things that was on my list of 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 tasks. You know, this, <laughs> this pandemic uh, silliness that we've got going on um, with you know, people staying scarce and whatnot. I'm, I I have far fewer interruptions with students needing help uh, spontaneously these days. So I, I actually get through my to do list at, at these days. Um, but but I I actually really enjoy. The, the spontaneous nature of, of students coming in and, and throwing off-the-wall problems at, at me. Um, that's, that's part of what keeps it interesting. Wow. And I don't know if you're allowed to answer this, but among those, is, do you have like a particular class that you really love? Um, I don't know, like you just love the class or you just... What's your, what's your, fa- what's your favorite class? To- <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, I, I think it's, it's no, I think it's no secret. I think I've made, made this known before. I really like design because it's, it's different from, from year to year. So along those lines, there've been, um, you've been at Duke for, for many years now and over the, your time, there've definitely been a lot of, in the BME department, at least a lot of new courses that have been developed, um, that didn't exist, you know, five, 10 years ago that exist now. How do you go about, um, working to create those labs, um, and making them such like, great experiences that they are um well it's it's always in in close uh communication with the the instructor who wants to put this together um um for example um uh i i, I really like uh, dr mark palmieri's uh, approach to these sorts of things he takes a very iterative approach uh, he he tries out a new project. He figures out what didn't work, what went well, 
and uh, we build on the good and and try to eliminate the the bad every time. Um, that that really is is nice. I really like that. Um, Dr. Craig Enriquez, um, also very exciting to work with him in the lab. Um, he tries uh, new ideas um, every time I, I work with him, and, and it's always something exciting and always something slightly terrifying. Uh, don't know if this is going to work, but let's stand back and see if it does. And uh, he really has a vision for what will work. Uh, in the lab and it, it always goes well that's really cool we've had both of those people on our podcast as well so we're rounding at the loop <laughs> yeah i want to ask more about that because you know for example um i took 354 last spring and um you know of course there's all these like carefully planned out labs like um you know these these circuits that you have to sort of know and get familiar with and um i, I i'm not sure exactly when that lab was created but i mean how do you go about um, taking like a lab or a, or a class and sort of creating a lab. I mean, could you walk us through, I don't know if you were specifically involved in that one in particular, but how do you go about just like coming up with a lab exercise to for students to do? Uh, well, so BMA 354 as a class predates me. Uh, it was a different course number and a different course title before, but um, the the starting point for all many of the labs that we do now uh, I inherited. And, um, so when I, some of the labs I've, I've changed dramatically and some of the labs I've created and, and several of the labs I've created have already been obsoleted for, for one reason or another. Um, sure. Yeah. Um, when we want to create a lab, it's, it, it's usually a matter of here's a new concept we want to teach. Uh, let's go play with this this measurement or this device in the lab for a little bit and see what we can do with it and uh, let's let's get an idea for what we want the students to do with it and and then it's time to to pull out the the, the keyboard and start typing a, a lab manual along those lines we did some um, pre pre-podcast internet stalking. Uh, we saw that you were, um, yeah. in, uh, no, not bad. We saw you were uh, involved in, in uh, winning the dream lab competition. Um, what insights do you think led you to win that and all of Yeah. That? And could you tell us a little bit more about that? Well, so that, that there, there was no, um, it really wasn't my fault that I won. It was, uh, it, it was, it was a throw your name in a hat kind of a contest. It was, it was a random draw. And, uh, and so it was, uh, I just uh, thankful that our, uh, our Newark sales rep, uh, Mike, he, uh, he encouraged me to, uh, to fill out the, uh, the, the couple line, um, entry form. And, um, a couple weeks later, Mike, Mike called me and said, Hey, you remember that? Um, it was, we're really grateful The the equipment that, uh, that we won from Newark and the, the several companies that they, uh, they represent. Uh, we we use that equipment every day, and uh, it's been really a boon. It's it's something. Uh, several things I would not have thought to purchase, uh, but now that we have them, they're they're essential. Like for example, uh, we one of the things was a, a thermal imager, and uh, we 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 use the thermal imager in in three fifty four and other labs just to to show people here. Look, you 
you can't feel it, but you can see it. Your your resistor there is getting hot because you're you're dissipating a lot of power on it. Wow. And you know, along with that new equipment, I'm sure I, I don't recall exactly, I'm not recalling how old the Chesterfield building is, but that must have really, you know, changed the game in, in terms of having a new lab space for BMEs. Can you tell us a little bit more about how that transition happened? Moving down to Chesterfield, we gained a lot of square footage. That was that was part of the deal to to entice us to go down to uh, the Chesterfield for for teaching, and um, and so the lab's a lot bigger, a lot less cramped in Chesterfield, um, and you know it's it's undeniable that it's 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 a bright, beautiful space down there. Uh, it's really nice to be down there once once you can get yourself down there. Um, the uh, the the Newark gift uh, came almost coincidentally with um, with moving into the Chesterfield. So uh, we uh, we did buy a lot of new equipment for the design lab when we moved into the Chesterfield. Uh, all of the all of the almost all of the test gear that you see on the the benches in that design lab came new for the Chesterfield. Wow. Okay, I have a question about equipment uh, along those lines. If you were to um, be advising a random person who came up to you and said, I want to be able to make things, what are five pieces of equipment that I need to make things? <laughs> the, uh, the sales representatives at the various companies have what they call the four-pack. And the four-pack comprises a power supply, a function generator, an oscilloscope, and a multimeter. And I think with those four pieces of equipment, you can you can do an awful lot of electronics. Um, we spent thousands of dollars per bench to get really nice professional grade equipment. But uh, someone who's working from the ground up in their garage does not need to spend that kind of money. You you can spend a few hundred dollars to get a, a power supply and uh, an oscilloscope. Um, you can you can buy for a couple of hundred dollars uh, an external data acquisition product for your for your computer uh, that that has a lot of this functionality built in too. the The possibilities right now for hobbyists and and entry level engineers are are far better than they were even ten years ago. It's the the market is just exploding. Speaking of hobbyists, what what is your favorite thing to kind of tinker with on the side now nowadays? <laughs> <laughs> not not um, unless it's still uh, chocolate milk and TVs. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm I'm not pouring chocolate milk and TVs anymore. <laughs> um, when when I'm goofing around at the house, um, I'm I might be in my vegetable garden. Uh, I have a garden. Uh, the, you know, do the typical tomatoes and peppers and, and, uh, and root vegetables and, and kind of things. Um, I also have some blueberries and some blackberries. And uh, I have enough blueberries and blackberries at this point that I freeze them and I have them all year. Uh, I, I never run out of those from the garden, which is, which is yummy. Um, I also love being on the water. Oh, wow. And I have... I have far too many boats. Um, I I have a uh, just looking out the the window right now at at my uh, driveway. I have a, a sailboat on a trailer. 
Um, I have another sailboat that I'm trying to get on a trailer that I'm building. Wow. Uh, and I have, oh my gosh. I have um, three, three kayaks um, and, uh, and two paddle boards. This is super, this is super interesting because we, we uh, you sometimes ask like, you know, what are your hobbies to other uh, professors or other sort of men- members of the community? And we've heard some pretty crazy things like windsurfing and just seems so it's exciting to sort of hear that, you know, <laughs> people we learn from have what they do outside of teaching us. <laughs> <laughs> we, we have lives too. But what a concept. What are your thoughts on, you know, I think lately at Duke, it seems like there's been a push toward, um, with, uh, you know, classes like EGR 101, there seems to be a push toward introducing students to design earlier on. What are your thoughts on that? Would you like to see that happen? Mm-hmm. I, I, I think design should be integrated as early as possible. Um, as I said a moment ago, um, design is basically all of the classroom work that you've been doing in reverse. You take the analysis and you just do it backward. Um, and it's, it's a surprisingly different thought process than just sitting down and, and doing calculus homework. And so, yes, uh, this, this design everywhere philosophy, I think is, is a great thing. Uh, it, it, it can only improve things. What was the first um, project that you worked on, I guess, like growing up or something where you really felt that you were an engineer, that you had kind of t- t- <laughs> taken that label on? Um, you can buy these at the store now, but uh, at the time, um, these weren't available uh, easily. I built, I called it an artificial sunrise. So as I mentioned, I, I went to school in Michigan's Upper Peninsula and uh, it would stay dark long into the morning. And I have a really hard time waking up if it's dark out. And so dragging myself out of out of bed to get to an 8 a.m. class was just really miserable. So I built a little light that went from zero intensity to full intensity over the course of about 10 minutes just to wake me up gradually. And, um, and I used concepts that I was learning in my engineering design classes. Wow. And, uh, that, that's when I felt like I I can actually do something. That's really neat. Do you, do you still, yeah, I know. I was going to ask, do you still use something like that? I guess, I guess, I guess in Durham, you don't have that problem. (laughs) I I, actually, I do. I still do have to wake up before dawn sometimes. And, uh, and I still do use that uh, because I just, you know, the, the, the blaring of some sort of audio alarm is, is still, still problematic for me. Is it the same one? No, it's not the same one. It's it's um it's another one. It's it's also self built, um, but that that first iteration is is long gone. <laughs> what would you say is the um the most like common regular item that most people like don't think about twice and just go and buy from the store that you were just like, No way, I'm paying for this and you built it yourself. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um Wow, I'm 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 drawing a blank on that. Um, how how about how about pizza? I, I we we <laughs> we, uh, um, we we do homemade pizza here at home, and it's just so much better than than anything you can you can get from the chain stores. It's you know the the the, the really good pizzas uh, uh, 
restaurants in downtown Durham are, are getting close, but there's something about homemade pizza. I'm sure there's fresh ingredients from the garden as well. Yeah, in the, in the right season. Could you drop us... Uh, drop a recipe uh, <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm trying to think. What is the ratio for the dough? I. I. I, I um. <laughs> Spoken like a true engineer. That's. That's that's well. That's part of the problem too. Is I. I, I don't cook from a recipe very often. I, I'm kind of a you know seat of the pants cook. Wow. And since I asked, since we talked a little bit about how you would like to see design um, earlier, what do you think um, is what are some changes or some improvements that you're striving for, or you think that um, is next for BME and for engineering education? I think in the past, you know, in the last five, 10 years, I think there's been an emphasis and sort of um, larger focus on like hands-on learning. And I don't know, what do you think is next? That's, that's a great question. And I'm, I'm not in a really good position to, to answer that. You know, I'm more down at the, the technician level down here, getting my hands dirty. I, I don't have a good vision for, um, for what's, uh, for what's new and next and best. Um, so if I were to answer that question, I would answer it from my perspective of, we need to keep getting our hands dirty. Everything we can do to, to, to get in the lab and actually do things is, is a good thing from my perspective. Yeah, I, I would have to completely agree. All of my biggest epiphany moments at Duke have been definitely in Chesterfield after after you explained like why my circuit isn't working by <laughs> doing something silly wrong and I'm just like, Oh my gosh, it makes sense now. Um so I I agree. More more of that would be good. Yeah. And uh Matt, we ha- we also have to ask you this. Um if you couldn't be if you couldn't have your current job anymore or you, you couldn't do anything with engineering, like what what would you what would you do? I don't think I would have any trouble finding something else to do. Um, I I I enjoy gardening. I'm not sure that I could apply myself as with the dedication necessary to run a farm. But but I I I, wa- I love watching things grow. So I I think I could I could do that. Um, hmm. Anything where I was building something, you know, I, 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 I don't do any blacksmithing now, but that's very interesting. So if I had to go do something that, that might be something I'd, I'd explore. Wow. Interesting. So as we get close to wrapping up, I wanted to ask what advice do you have for current um, or new students, both like technically wise as how to be better engineers and then I guess more broadly life wise how to be better humans <laughs> <laughs> um, I think more broadly life wise um, just keep communicating and keep understanding that everybody else is human as well um, that's it's something that that I I work on on my own all the time is remembering that you know everybody else is is here too and uh and don't don't keep information don't keep your your thoughts bottled up because that leads to an awful lot of bad things and i i I think we could point to a lot of uh a lot of examples in in politics and society today where you know the two sides are are not doing a good job communicating and so both end up thinking the other side is 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 somehow uh, malign 
uh, ask for advice to current engineering students, uh, I'll, I'll go back to it again. Get your hands dirty. You know, if if you're not if you're not getting your hands dirty sufficiently in in class or lab, then uh, join some extracurricular. Uh, go 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 build something. Yeah, absolutely. I, I like your advice about how to be a better human. I this is kind of like silly, but I had the realization not so long ago that really everyone is like the protagonist of their own life. Like they see the whole world through their eyes and that's like their whole world versus my whole world. Um, I don't know. That might be a silly thing, but it's like something that clicked with me recently. And I think that's very aligned with what you, what you said. And, you know, um, to wrap up, we have a few uh, fun questions that are, I guess, totally random, but um, I think we can extend it. We haven't been having fun so far. (laughs) Some, I guess. I'm having fun. Yeah, me too. (laughs) I guess more random questions. Um, and I guess we can ex- we can extend this one because you mentioned you listen to a lot of podcasts. Uh, do you recommend what podcasts do you recommend to our listeners and any books as well? Like you know, what's the last book you read and any books that you would recommend? Other than this podcast, obviously. <laughs> yeah, well, this is this is number one, right? Of course. Um, <laughs> um, I I recently read um, the Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett Good Omens. That's just a spectacular book. Uh, it's been made into a, um, a a TV series too. If you if you're not familiar with either of those guys, uh, go out and read anything by them. But Good Omens is is spectacular. Um, I as far as podcasts, I listen to a lot of comedy. So um, I I listen to the uh, the Wait Wait Don't Tell Me, which is an NPR podcast, and also uh, Nobody Listens to pa- Paula Poundstone. Uh, a spinoff of that. Um, I really enjoy listening to podcasts about TV shows. I enjoy because uh, I learn a lot about the production of TV shows and 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 really about life. Listening to those, so I'm I'm thinking in particular of the the Good Place podcast and also great show uh, the Office Ladies <laughs> Office Ladies podcast about the Office. Also a great show. <laughs> <laughs> Neat. Another one of the other random question we always ask is, uh, what are your coffee or tea drinking habits? Water. <laughs> water. Wow, our second water. I think we're I think we're like tied now between coffee, tea, and water. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, I, I I pretty much don't drink anything but water. Wow, was that like a, a conscious thing, or are you just a big water fan? Um. So I used to have a big glass of orange juice with with breakfast, um, and 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 then I learned that orange juice wasn't as benign as as I had mm-hmm. been thinking it was, and so I I I, I cut it out. And, um, and water so, it is. Yeah, water it is. It's yeah. I guess Matt, you know Matt doesn't need uh, coffee. Not he he has his fancy alarm clock that he built, right. or his his uh, right. his uh, sunlight. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I just never got into to coffee. You know, my, my daughter, for example, she was hooked on coffee by the time she was a sophomore in high school, I think. But my, my philosophy has always been, if I need something to get me going in the morning, then I didn't have enough sleep. I, I can, I can fake myself, fake my way through not having studied, but I cannot fake my way through not having slept. That is a philosophy that I think all of us should really take to heart. Sleep is important. Definitely. I I have made too many mistakes along those lines. (laughs) Um, But yeah, Matt, it was so great to talk to you. Uh, Thanks so much for coming on. And uh, we really appreciated hearing your thoughts. 
I've, I've, I've enjoyed this a lot. This, this has been great. Keep it up. Wow, that was a fantastic episode. Yeah, you know, I think we've talked with Matt so many times in lab that it's finally good to talk with him outside of lab for once. You may say after office hours. Uh -huh, yeah, very funny, Becky. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's such an interesting person. I really like that alarm clock story, by the way. Um, something that gotten him into engineering originally, and he actually still uses that to help him wake up. I mean, that's so... Um, something that I would definitely expect from Matt Brown. Yeah, no, I, I wasn't surprised at all with that. But it was really cool to hear that he enjoys gardening and boating and sailing and making pizza. See, I never knew any of those things. That's really cool. I know. It, and you can definitely tell that he is such a humble and patient demeanor You know, when you speak with him. He's just a really nice person to talk to and really makes you think a lot about, um, you know, just what you're doing and what you want to achieve in the future. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. He just like, he seems like someone who just knows things. I don't know if that makes sense, but like, when you just like talk to him, like he just, he just has knowledge. Yes, he's a very wise person. Yes, that's the word, wise. And not just in engineering. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Just like in general, life. yeah, yeah. So yeah, we really hope you enjoyed the episode. Thanks so much. Um, you can follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts, the trifecta, at After Office Hours, and on our Instagram, which is obviously popping always at, popping at, at after yes. double underscore office hours check us out follow us on instagram rate us on apple podcast apparently that's how it makes it easier for people to find our podcast so five stars comment all of all of that good stuff um we want to hear your feedback so reach out to us on instagram send us a dm or comment on our post yeah any we welcome any praise, grievances, anything. <laughs> no, but for, for real, we do want to hear your uh, feedback, so anything positive or negative, we'd love to hear it. Yeah. All right, everyone. Thanks so much, and we'll catch you next time. <laughs>